0: This evening, I wish to speak about one of the most important blessings available to members of the church. They are limited to those who are worthy. I speak of patriarchal blessings. My chief reason for speaking upon this subject is that patriarchal blessings verify of the divinity of Christ and of the truthfulness of the church. Oh, These sacred blessings also strengthen the personal testimonies of those worthy persons who are the recipients of Such blessings provided those recipients live so as to merit the blessings which are pronounced therein.
1: It's a kind of magic. It's a kind of magic.
0: Our prophet's words help us better understand the
1: great value of our patriarchal blessing. Sometimes we hear about people who, sensing the need for a little extra spiritual guidance, Flip open the scriptures to a random page to see if something stands out. While this method may help occasionally, there is a source of personal direction from the Lord that may be more
0: helpful than the random scripture flip. Now just as the Lord provided a liahona to Lehi, that same Lord provides for you and for me a rare and priceless gift. It will give direction to our lives. It will point out the hazards in our journey. It will chart our course and give us safe passage to our heavenly home. The gift to which I refer is your patriarchal blessing.
2: Hello, listeners. This is Glenn Ostlund, and Infants on Thrones is ten years old. Now, some of you have been on this ride with me the entire time, and many of you haven't. Regardless, I always appreciate hearing from listeners who have changed over the years, as I've changed, and this podcast has changed. We're all always growing from one thing into something else, and it's been an incredible ride. It's still going, of course. But I want to commemorate this 10-year birthday of Infants on Thrones by revisiting some of my favorite infant episodes from the past. And I'll tell you what all of this podcasting has done for me personally. It's made me very interested in mental, emotional, and yes, even spiritual health. This is why I'm in the process of becoming a licensed therapist. It's why I've been working as a life coach for the past few years. And it's why I keep making episodes for this podcast, to rewire my own brain, to reshape my own confirmation biases, so that I can truly look for the good, so that I can truly put down the weapons that I use against myself, and so that I can intentionally focus on putting more peace, understanding, acceptance, joy, and playfulness into this world as much as I can. Now, if you find this podcast valuable and you'd like to say thank you, by donating a few dollars per month, please sign up to support the podcast on Patreon. You can find details on the website, infantsonthrones.com. And if you or someone you love is struggling with severe anxiety, fear, grief, shame, chronic anger, depression, or any mental, emotional, or even spiritual challenges, and you'd like some encouragement, support, and some tools that can help, please reach out to me at infantsonthrones at gmail.com. Let's talk. I am here for you, and it won't cost you a thing. And now, how about a blast from the past with one of my favorite infant episodes from days gone by? Here you go. This is infants on thrones. Baby steps. You want someone to preach to you? The philosophies of men. I like magical toys. What religion, do you? Mingled with humor. I don't believe in them. There will be many willing to preach to you the philosophies of men mingled with, with humor. We are evolving. Baby steps.
3: You can buy anything. This world of money. The good in everything. Look for the people who will set
0: your soul
3: free. It always seems impossible until it's done. Look for the good in everyone.
2: Welcome back to Infants on Thrones. I'm Glenn Ostland from the tribe of Ephraim, and today is all about patriarchal blessings, or patriarchal blessings, as we've so cleverly titled this, because sacred, formalized fortune-telling is really nothing new. Nope. Have you heard me say anything before about the fingerprints of human creation? Well, this is one of them. So in classical antiquity or in the olden days as I used to call it as a kid. An oracle was a person or a group of people who gave wise counsel or prophetic predictions inspired by the gods. Now the very word oracle comes from the Latin verb orare, which means to speak. Oracles were thought to be portals through which the gods spoke directly to people and pretty much every culture had some version of this. The Celtics had their druids, The Hindus had their Akashwanis. Tibetan Buddhists have the Nechung oracle. The African Yoruba have the Babalowos and Lyonaphis. I can't pronounce it. The Mayas had the Chalanis or what was called the mouthpiece of God, and the list goes on and on. So guess what? Mormons really aren't all that different from other religions and other religious cultures in the world. We've got our own version of oracles, and they're called patriarchs. And their primary responsibility is to pronounce blessings upon members of the church. Now here's what Boyd K. Packer had to say about patriarchs in General Conference 2002. And the patriarch,
1: looking into the future enumerates the blessings and promises—some special, others general—to which the person of a proper lineage is entitled, and through his authority seals them upon him, so that he, they may be his forever through his faithfulness. That blessing becomes a very personal treasure. Except for members of the immediate family, we should not permit others to read our blessings nor should we ask others to interpret it.
2: And of course, if the patriarch looks into the future and sees something that doesn't end up happening the way that we thought that it should, well, don't worry about it because...
1: Sometimes someone will worry because a promise made in a patriarchal blessing is not yet fulfilled. For instance, a blessing may indicate that a member will be married and they do not find a companion. That does not mean... The blessing will go unfulfilled. It is well to know that things happen in the Lord's due time, not always in ours. Things of an eternal nature have no boundaries. From the premortal existence to our existence beyond the veils of death, our life is an eternal life.
2: And then he also explains the way that a patriarch is chosen and ordained and makes reference to a guide that all stake presidents and patriarchs are supposed to read. The
1: stake president submits a name to the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. Each name is carefully and prayerfully considered. Once approved, the patriarch is sustained in state conference and then ordained. He then, with prophetic insight, will pronounce blessings upon the heads of those who come recommended by the bishop of their ward. There's a publication... Information and Suggestions for Patriarchs. It instructs the state president and the patriarch about this sacred office. The publication was discussed for years by the First Presidency and the Quorum of the Twelve. Each time it was reviewed, it was reduced in size. One senior brother said, Brethren, we must not get between the Lord and his patriarchs. We now ask each state president and each patriarch to reread this brief document. Read it more than once.
2: Now guess what? You're in for a little treat because I happen to have a copy of the most recent version of this information and suggestions for patriarchs. Do you want me to read it? Okay, number one. Set the stage for an intimate, comfortable experience. Establish your priesthood authority by dressing the part, displaying pictures of the brethren and holy temples, and make reference to your own personal fasting and prayer. Number two, project a sympathetic personality. Put the person receiving the blessing in a receptive, cooperative mood by explaining that the blessing is a team effort largely based on their faithfulness and their spiritual preparation. Number three, Before the blessing, build relationships of trust and learn about the person you'll be blessing and what they hope to hear from the Lord. Now, there are seven basic things that most people want to know about. Marriage, health, money, career, travel, education, and personal ambition. Ask questions about these topics to prepare the member and yourself for the pronouncements you will make. Number four, as you pronounce this blessing, Use language that is vague enough to apply to every worthy member of the church. This will make the member feel that they are part of a common heavenly family. Number five, after general statements, hone in on specifics that apply to most members of the church. Consider this as a compass to guide them through the important steps they must take to return to our Heavenly Father's presence to dwell with Him in celestial glory. And this means marriage in the temple and a life full of worthy service to the church. Remind them of the importance of obedience to such commandments as the word of wisdom and the law of tithing. Number six, pronounce blessings upon them based on the information you learned in your earlier conversation. With your hands rested firmly upon their head, pay close attention to their physical response. Listen to their breathing. Watch for signs of emotion. Reinforce to them that the emotion that they feel is a confirmation of the truthfulness of this blessing. Number seven, remind the member that this blessing is special and will become their personal set of scriptures. As such, use only the most respectful and poetic language to make the blessing fit this scriptural expectation. Number eight, don't be shy about referencing outside authorities. This could include their ancestors, church leaders, teachers, or educators. Number nine, don't forget the obvious flatter the member. Tell them what they want to hear. And number 10, don't forget CYPA. Cover your patriarchal ass. Have your excuses ready. Turn every possible outcome to your advantage by basing these blessings on their personal worthiness and remind them that the Lord will bestow these upon them in his own way and in his own time. Now that should do the trick. Okay, 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 all right, all right, all right, now, this isn't actually the church-produced information and suggestions on patriarchs, okay? I tricked you. This is something that I borrowed and adapted from Michael Shermer's Learn to Be a Psychic in 10 Easy Lessons, which you can find on skeptic.com. Now, in all fairness, some of Schirmer's 10 points apply very well to the patriarchal blessing experience, but others, well, not so much. And that's mainly because of the form of the patriarchal blessing. It's more of a unilateral pronouncement than the give-and-take conversational style of the psychic reading. Patriarchs aren't exactly psychics. Does that make sense? They're just worthy priesthood-holding fortune tellers. See the difference? So, we decided to get together as infants and just talk about our patriarchal blessings. And I think you'll hear this in the discussion, but the more we talked about it, the more we all realized just how deep these blessings had their hooks in us. So, listen in as I'm joined by Randy Snyder.
4: I saw him come. Oh gosh, his very face. Bob Caswell. I would never admit this in the past, but I was always proud of its length because it's a solid four. And our new friend, Allison.
3: <laughs> and it's really, it kind of lost a bit of its luster.
2: To talk all about our patriarchal blessings and to let a little bit more air out of these overinflated balloons. <laughs> Okay, so let's 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 uh, talk about patriarchal blessings, Bob. You said that yours is the bomb. Why?
4: You know, I reread it today in preparation for this, um, and I still there's a, a special place in my heart for this document. It 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 meant something to me then. It's still written, or I guess it was actually. Um, Pronounced, you know, and then typed up because his wife was, you know, the wife of the patriarch is, is there, they recorded and then she ends up typing it up. And that's, I remember that little insignificant detail. I don't know why that's her role as the wife of a patriarch, but it was in my stake anyway. Mm. Um, but mine has all sorts of flowery language. It speaks to me directly. It's very eye centric. Um, it tells me about, you know, my future wife. It tells me about, um, My life of abundance, and how uh, if I exercise my agency and ask for my desires, not just my needs, uh, God understands that as well. Like some really um, personal things, at least I thought they were personal at the time, that shaped my approach to, um, I guess, how I live my life uh, up until I stopped living it it subconsciously um, as a result of this. But, you know, how much of that can really be. Undone. So I I still think it was a good thing in some ways because there's like one section in here about um, if you're a problem solver and you go out and and figure things out, God will give you the little extra push as you need it. But you need to go solve your own problems first. And So there's like pragmatism and I I can't fault it that much. So that's why I really like it. How old were you when you got it? It was right before my mission. It was uh, I was just turned 19. Yeah
2: and and uh, wh- where where are you and your family? are you the oldest
4: no no i 'm number four out of six and
2: so, like your older siblings had all had theirs, and like did, did yeah, they yeah. share them with you where you had this these built up expectations or? no
4: um, they were very selective about it in fact that 's part of the whole lore about um, for me for a long time until until I figured it out on my own i I considered my patriarchal blessing almost on the same level as like talking about stuff that happens in the temple because my family and I don't know how common this is was really big into like you know don't only share it selectively and if you're inspired but don't just whip it out and read it or compare it with your roommates because that's going to diminish it and and ruin the effect so to speak they wouldn't say it that way They, they always said it more eloquently but I kept it pretty close to the chest as did they so they they shared it they shared the experience that they had getting it, but it's the same way people talk to you about the temple and how you're going to love it and all this stuff, but then they don't really give you that much information. Um, that's how I got it. It's like
5: the opposite of uh, devil stories. Like if you're told, if you tell devil stories too much, it's going to give Satan power. Uh, this is like if you, if you share your patriarchal blessing too much, it loses its sacred power. Hmm.
4: Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's and like the secrecy thing. I really need to scan this in cuz it's starting to get torn apart and I only have this one paper copy. And I was always proud, I would never admit this in the past, but I was always proud of its length cuz it's a solid 4 pages, wow. you know. So it it felt like like God really had a plan for me. Um but, you know. So
3: maybe God was just really like long-winded with you. Yeah, yeah.
4: I'm telling you though, you know what he was
5: smoking weed when he gave yours.
2: <laughs> I, I remember when I was getting ready to get mine, or I was talking to my mom about it. At some point, she has my mom's the oldest of eight, and she has a brother just younger than her that left the church. So he was like the black sheep of the family, and she said that his patriarchal blessing was the most beautiful blessing of all of them you know that she had ever heard and that she so so based on that she developed this theory that the real beautiful ones are the ones that are at, at the most risk to leave so i, <laughs> I would have interpreted your four pager as uh like an indication that eventually you're going to do exactly what you ended up doing
5: yeah because they really needed some strong instruction and, and encouragement right uh, and that, that's that's kind of what happened in my family. Is my uh, the first one to leave the church was my older sister, and that's because she got pregnant from her her boyfriend from high school. Drove out to BYU when she was a freshman at BYU and got her pregnant there, and so uh, she had the drive of shame, and and she was shamed by my mom, uh, who later apologized and admitted that she had wouldn't let her go to church uh, when she started to show and stuff like that. Um, she got like a Beautiful four pager, and then I got a one pager, and it was boring and banal and generic. <laughs> and, it's like getting a stateside mission. It's like
2: which <sighs> happened too.
5: But but, but my dad would, <laughs> my dad would say exactly what you're saying, Glenn. Is he said it's really clear that God tried hard to reach her. You know, in her, you know, just literally like a year before right. she got pregnant and left the church. Um, and, you know, a son. You know, don't. Don't, don't fret that you only got a page, you know, you didn't need as
4: much. And that that's kind of the mentality. I kind of want to read part of this in like a general authority voice or something. Cause I, it's, Do you know, it. And I also have highlights in this thing. Man, this thing was like a big deal as can be seen, I guess, um uh, back to the other podcast, the the Mormon, the Bob's Mormon cred scale. You get five points just for getting this document, and maybe that's just as reflective of how much it mattered to me. Um, I don't know if others are so dramatic in in how much this dictated their lives. But yeah, because that so was like, the only
2: suggestion of ours that you took.
4: Um, I tweaked some wording on some, but that yeah, that was the only like net new question I added. That's yeah. true. Yeah. As soon as somebody brought it up, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. that was awesome. <laughs> should totally count for something. <laughs>
5: <laughs> there's there's a couple of features of patriarchal blessings that I've always found kind of funny. Um, number one is you can um, you can always spin it. Uh, so if you know, like when when we're talking to Tom about his patriarchal blessing, uh, it said he'd serve a foreign mission, and he didn't serve a foreign mission; he served stateside. Uh, but you know you, we were like, well no, but you can you can say, well, but you still haven 't uh, factored in that you might go on a mission when you 're old, yeah. with your wife, um, you know and then there the, the, 'll be someone who gets a patriarchal blessing that says they 'll get married and have children, and then they die on their mission, and you go, well, they 're going to have children and get married <laughs> for eternity it's it'll all work out everything works out if you just spin it the right way yep. and, and and this is this was um like, uh, just one more story about my own paratrochal blessing that's kind of weird it, My mom was a piece of work. I mean she was a believer with every fiber in her being uh i would I would classify her as almost superstitious believer mm. and and i was I had kind of a weird personality trait and I still have it and I think it comes from just I have a real strong fear of dying, and <laughs> I would always tell people i'm gonna die young I, I just feel it, I sense I'm gonna die young. And I would say that in front of my mom, and my mom heard that so much that when I got my pear blessing and it said that I would get married and have lots of children, she just, in the middle of it, like just burst out with like this a sob. It was distracting. Maybe that's why my blessing was so short. <laughs> and uh, and I, I asked her, like, what was that about? And she said, It means that you're you saying all the time that you're going to die young isn't true and i'm like and, and then i thought about it when i was on my mission i'm like but you know that i could i could still die young and uh and these things could be true uh you know have children in the eternities but uh, like my mom took this as the literal word from her almighty god right. like it it was it was real as shit
2: for her yeah. Wow. And, and Bob before before you read yours let, let's hear from Allison like what what was your experience cuz you you were a convert to the church and so yeah. you didn't grow up hearing all of the patriarchal blessing stories or that the reverence or all of that 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 Bob and Randy have talked about what what was your first uh, introduction to the idea of a patriarchal blessing? Do you remember that?
3: Um yeah, I was serving in young women's and I had we we'd had a We'd had our kid, our first child, um, and he, he was about two, I think, one or two. And I was serving in Young Women's and they were doing like the fireside where you prepare you hear the bishop speak about getting your patriarchal blessing. Mm-hmm. And um, then bring in the patriarch I,
2: to talk to the yeah, kids. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And so I went to that because I was in, in Young Women's and the, the leaders went and I was just like, well, I don't have one of these. I got to get one.
4: Was that the first time you had even heard of it? You were like, yeah, Whoa, I, what think is so. this?
3: I think so. Yeah. I mean, I may have heard of it before, but I don't think that I, I don't think it registered or, yeah. you know? Um, and so, so I, I went to get it and before, before the blessing and, you know, you meet with the patriarch and they kind of, they kind of chat with you a little bit. Like, well, he asked me you know how, how's how's your life? What are you guys? What are you guys doing it's right like now?
5: It's almost like he's trying to cold read you before he has to it give the totally oh, he is. And
3: so he he was, you know, we told him, well, we're trying to sell our house and and move into a new house, but it's really hard. The market is so bad right now. You know, it's really really stressful, and so we're dealing with that. And he's like, oh yeah, what's your calling right now? Well, I I love I'm in young women's and I love it. I I love this calling. I love working with with the girls and the other women leaders and oh okay interesting and you have how many children Oh, we have one one child oh that's great how old one years old oh that's wonderful sister well let's get to the <laughs> blessing you know
1: <laughs> and, so, and
3: then my blessing was all full of this stuff like you don't need to worry about temporal things because the lord will provide for you so don't worry about Don't worry about those things. Was it conditional though? Like
2: if, if you obey the commandments.
3: um, Oh yeah. All of it's conditional. All of it's conditional. But that spoke to, you know, that I was stressed about our house to me, like even, even right after I got it. Well, okay. So here's what happened. He did, he did all these things. He said some other things like you will, um, you, you have a great capacity to serve, especially with women in the church. And you, you will do that and, and it will be wonderful. And you're, you'll affect a lot of people's lives and be a leader in that way and you will have more children and so at the time i was incredibly moved because i was like well these are the things i want to hear these this is what i need to hear i need to hear that i don't i don't need to worry about you know our house selling i need to hear that I am going to be a good leader and, and work with women. And I need to hear that I am going to have more kids. And so it was like...
2: So you weren't skeptical at all? You you just no, like... No, at first, yeah. I mean,
3: I was... When he was giving me the blessing, I was sobbing the whole yeah. time. I was yeah. just like, oh my God, this is so powerful. That How could he know that these are the things that I need to hear? And then afterwards, you know, they mail it to you. And I read it and I was like, well, that's... You know, it was still special to me, but I was like, but he talked to me about those things before. (laughs) (laughs) And it's really, it kind of lost a bit of its luster pretty quickly. Mm. Because I was like, well, I told him, you know, I I told him these were my worries. And I told him I was a convert and he had talked about how he was going to be a missionary in, you know, um, in heaven. I think it was like, you're going to bring a lot of souls or through family history or something like that. and and that was really important to me. And, but, but then I read it and I was like, well, I told him I'm a convert. I'm the only member of my family. So of course that's what he's going to say.
2: Yeah. Well, you I'm know? glad you addressed. It. I was going to ask that specifically because I, I, I know in mine and I, I've read a lot of patriarchal blessings that, that they usually talk if someone's born in the covenant about, mm-hmm. you know, this heritage that, that they're a part of. And, uh, all of the blessings that they're inheriting, and um, uh, what are what are some of the other things? Like Randy and Bob, you've probably got this kind of language in yours that you should be grateful for your parents and ancestors going mm-hmm. before you. Whereas with a convert, I think it would be more focused on the the, the proxy ordinances. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and
5: there, there's another aspect of, uh, of uh, the second one I was going to bring up um, was uh, people reading something that really is pretty. Um, banal and really kind of like a platitude uh-huh. but really like they do with the scriptures really reading way deeper into it to get more meaning out of it mm-hmm. um, I, I think mine said I was going to travel the world and I thought wow maybe maybe that means I'm going to be a general authority yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> good. Good. I could just be a guy who makes enough money to travel yeah, and I like to try, you know, or or, or it's just him saying, you know, whatever can't popped into his head, um, and we do that with scriptures all the time. Like, there's just not not much there, but we'll we'll sit there and dissect two verses, and just that's that's like a total Mormon thing to do,
4: and and extrapolate all this meaning out of it. But that's the thing, though, is that this is like the best of both worlds because it is treated like scripture, but it's it's given in a modern-day tongue, and it's like real sentence structure and flowery language, at least mine, to the point where, I mean, I'm sure if I looked at it more closely, and, and the more we talk about it, the more cynical I'm becoming. But there's still like a part of me that's like, this is like a holy document that people just don't understand. It's poetry. And, and it is
2: kind of hard <laughs> because I I had that type of connection with my patriarchal blessing as well that it's hard to distance yourself from that and trot it underfoot, you know, or, you know, for you to be one of the swine that this pearl is being cast before, you know, that that's, that's kind of a, a, a tricky transition for me to make. It, It took, it took a while before I realized exactly how deeply my patriarchal blessing had its claws in my life and the decisions that I had made, like, I got. I, I came to Indiana University to get a PhD in folklore. What the hell are you going to do with a PhD in folklore? <laughs> I, I had no idea. But My Patriarch Good Blessing question. has a line in it that says, get as much education as you can. You will need it in the future. You will need it in ways that today perhaps you know not of. And so because it said that, I was just like, yeah, I don't know why. I, this is check, it. check, check. This You're is checking all the boxes. I'm, you know, getting a PhD. I might get another degree after that. I'll just keep going and wait and see what the Lord has planned for me. It's gonna be awesome, and I don't have to understand what it is right now. And it was just stupid,
4: and that's why you deserve a lot of Mormon cred. For it. I mean, you get this. In, yeah, maybe not everyone takes it to heart as as you and I did, Glenn. Yeah. But I I resonate with that quite a bit. I, there are a lot of things in here. Rereading it, I'm like, oh. Is that where that came from right. that I still do to this day? That's yeah, embarrassing. Right. <laughs>
5: Has anyone heard anecdotes? And I have, and I, I can't verify that they're true, and I don't know they are. But people making really, really bad decisions based on what their patriarchal
2: blessing said. Remember when I just said about a Ph.D. in folklore from Indiana University? <laughs> yeah, yeah.
5: It, Besides that. It worked out all
2: right, But yeah, right.
5: I'm, I'm talking about a little bit more tragic stories.
2: Well, I could talk about my first marriage, too, but well, we don't need to go there
5: but i think that's what that's i I mean the thing i wanted to get uh, this is like you know psychics aren't necessarily harmless um uh and, and i don't and i don't think that the patriarchal blessing is necessarily harmless i think if you get a patriarch that really overreaches and and tries to get too specific um they could really fuck with somebody's life um so
2: i think i think they all do in a in a small way i mean just just in that especially people like me maybe maybe like you bob that are really ambitious and want to feel very holier than now and self righteous you know that it gives mm-hmm. you the opportunity and, and and this is something that i've always felt is a real stroke of brilliance with mormonism that it it makes every member the center of the universe and you know yeah. as far as like providing meaning in life and direction and i think the patriarchal blessing is such a huge part of that that it really it, it really brings you in and you're invested in this and there's so much grandiose flowery language about how special you are and how special the the mission is that you have that you have a unique special mission to fulfill and it isn't until you step back and really do what you're not supposed to do and compare all of the patriarchal blessings to each other that you see the pattern
4: right right, and and I'm sure even my patriarch, who I assume you know was doing these all very specifically for each person individually i in in the upper right corner of the first page it says patriarchal blessing number two twenty three so I mean he's got a lot of experience, he probably has a good pattern system down, mm-hmm. and if I were to actually get two twenty two in my hands yeah, I'd but probably, you- like. You
3: know they start that number like checkbooks. Like they got to start it at 100 at least. They're not going to start at 1.
4: Quit ruining it for me, Allison. Yeah, wouldn't that be
5: awesome if you if you got patriarchal blessing number 001. You know what?
2: Actually, Bob's patriarch was so prophetic that he started at 1000 and was working his way down to 0.
4: Whoa. Wow. He knew, he knew what his life
2: calling was. He knew was. exactly who was going to be the last one.
5: He got called for exactly 1,000
4: blessings. Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. And then he would die. Be, no, right. he'd be translated.
2: Exactly. Twinkling of <laughs> but, an eye.
4: But listen to some of this language. Um, speaking of Glenn's point that it's a little bit um, self centered. Yeah. <clears throat> your father in heaven is aware of your valiance in the preexistence. he is aware of the good that you have already done here upon the earth. He knows you by name, he loves you, he loves all of his sons and daughters. He will be pleased to bless your life. Develop a strong conviction that all of this is true. Know that he will be pleased for you to approach him frequently and regularly in prayer, that you consider him to be an unfailing partner to help you in your life. He has at least two major considerations which he uses in responding to your prayers. One of these considerations is that you live to be worthy of the blessings that you request. The other one is also very important. It is that you use your agency in asking? Remember to ask for that which you desire or need. He wants you to gain increasing experience in the use of your agency, that you might grow to become more like He is. That's just one paragraph out of like twelve. See, and is, like is, that's isn't so, that pur- is, isn't that called purple prose, Glenn? I uh, uh, I don't
2: know purple prose. I, uh, it's the Barnum effect where it's it's that could be applied to anybody. Like, the, yeah. the, the, I bet every single patriarchal blessing has comparable language and, you know, the, this grandiose, elevated message that you feel is directed specifically to you. But it's just.
1: Yeah, like you and God, it's just you saying, and God
2: are best buddies. It's saying, <laughs> be obedient and say your prayers.
4: <laughs> <laughs> you just, like, crushed part of my
1: soul. Yeah,
2: the, the, the <laughs> air goes out of the balloon. <laughs> yeah.
3: Oh,
2: wow.
1: Right.
3: <laughs> well, my husband's is interesting. Um, he got his in the South, and it's it's not flowery, but it's like there's parts of it that are just like kind of weird. Like There's one part that says, I, I bless you that you will go to your father in heaven on your knees and inquire of him as to what he would have you do with the remainder of your life. Listen to the sweet spirit. Your father will probably tell you to complete your education. <laughs> Because an education makes good people better, it, and it's like, wait, what? <laughs> probably. Yeah,
5: that's and funny. Like, <laughs> it, it'll probably make you smarter. That's that's funny. <laughs> yeah,
3: like you can just hear the accent coming probably. out a little bit. He'll probably it's just different. <laughs> and then he different. talks a lot awesome. about like the word. He, he mentions like two or three times the word of wisdom, and he needs to, uh, you know, obey the word of wisdom. And it was interesting how he got his because his his parents. Um, so, you know, he was, he was like a teenager kind of black sheep. He, he had long hair. He wore like, you know, he kind of was a little punk rock, I guess. And, um, I think his parents were really worried about him. And so they just one day were like, we're going to get your patriarchal blessing today. And they just like took him to go get it. And he he was still going to church and everything, but, um, It just is weird that it happened that way. And then in his blessing, it says that, and I was curious if your guys says anything like this, because mine doesn't. It says, I pray for the spirit of father in heaven to be in attendance with us as we have fasted and prayed for the spirit to be with us. I would have, you know, that I pray that this blessing will be, and he just talks about how he fasted and prayed before. And I didn't know if that's a common thing for the patriarchs to do or if, That means his family was fasting and praying, and that's why, like all of a sudden, they decided to take him to get it because they were worried about him.
4: I've heard that. I've uh, I've heard. That fasting can go along with it. I don't remember okay. with mine specifically. I did. I fasted. Oh yeah. Oh,
5: we
3: did. Oh yeah. So that's like a common thing, and I'm just reading into that. I, I don't
5: yeah, know I how I, common. I think I was told. <laughs> I was told to.
2: Yeah, I don't know how common it is for for that language to be in the blessing itself, but but mm-hmm. to be surrounding it, the experience, and to, to frame it in a context. I think it's very common that okay. that you're encouraged to to pray a lot, read your scriptures a lot, um, fast a lot, just to try and get in tune with all of these amazing blessings that are going to be poured out upon you. Yeah. And, and even the patriarch will say, um, you know, I've, I have fasted today or I've prayed today so that, you know, I'll yeah. be a, a good conduit for the spirit. And yeah, I think that's pretty common.
3: Okay. And then hey, there's I, another interesting part in his that I wanted to read. It says, um, I bless you that you'll have a goal that you shall not marry out of the covenant, that you'll find the beautiful long, young lady that you'll take her by the hand and she will lead you to
2: the promise. Sorry, to the
3: and, she will lead your family to the celestial kingdom of our father in heaven you're responsible for working out your soul salvation nothing short of a temple marriage will do for you must reach the celestial kingdom to be happy and you must go this route to reach the celestial kingdom and i just thought that that was like pretty strong language mine didn't mine doesn't say anything that strong
4: about getting married
3: about th- that um that you you must reach the celestial kingdom to be happy. And you must go this route in order to reach the celestial kingdom, meaning that he must marry in the covenant.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was, he was a Southerner, so he's very practical minded. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, he's like, Hey, I've been told this is the way to go. I gotta go this way. Well,
2: was, was, was your husband dating you when he got the patriarchal blessing? And that was part of the thing, part of what his parents were concerned about.
3: He was not dating me, but he was, um, he was he was dating another girl who was also not Mormon, oh, okay. but we were uh, the, like we had dated at the did, time.
5: Yeah, did the patriarch know he was um, dating a Gentile?
3: I I don't know parents because may have told just him. the way that it. I yeah. think that the I think his mom and dad must have had some conversations just because of how it was like there was no prep for him. Like, hey, do you think it's time to go get your blessing? It was obviously something that he wasn't really interested in doing but it's also and, pretty
2: pretty standard language you know that I, okay. I think everybody's patriarchal blessing says you're going to marry somebody in the temple and whether you say that married in the temple or in the covenant or you yeah. know yeah. something about the yeah. blessings that that come and bringing children into the world righteousness anyway what, what did you want to yeah, say randy i
5: was gonna say i just looked up purple prose and literary <laughs> criticism <laughs> thank you <laughs> to tell me if this doesn't apply okay. though in literary criticism, purple prose is written prose that is so extravagant, ornate, or flowery as to break the flow and draw excessive attention to itself. It employs certain rhetorical effects such as exaggerated sentiment or pathos in an attempt to manipulate a reader's response.
2: Yeah, I think it does those those things, but I don't I don't think that it it distracts. I think it enhances.
4: Right, because there's still something very on point here. It's not like I'm when I read mine, it's not like there's a, there's no, nothing to be said. There's still a very specific message. It just so happens that it's the same message for everyone in the blasted church, not just for me, but I I read yeah. it as it's only for me.
5: Yeah, but okay, well, it depends on the reader. I think it still qualifies as purple prose, but not to a true believing Mormon because that's how they've been taught that uh truth is conveyed is with purple prose but it, you have someone like mark twain read the yeah. a patriarchal blessing and he's gonna go oh god right. this is awful yeah yeah <laughs> this is distracting
3: yeah that's yeah. what like when you were reading yours bob i like lost chuck i couldn't yeah.
5: you're like this is I, pay attention
3: to I what got, it was saying i
5: got i did not even listen to what it was saying i got distracted by how it was conveyed <laughs> and, that, and that's why I was like that's why purple prose came to my mind because it, it, it was really
4: distracting uh, see I thought I it feel was like, like mother's milk <laughs> <laughs> so, so red so, hot chili peppers?
2: could be uh, yeah.
4: <laughs> my uh, my closing paragraph is just a couple sentences I think it's it, it it was like some of the most powerful stuff for me so I'm just going to read it really fast so and I'll, and I'll do a slightly different voice so you're not too drawn in by that but um, do, it,
2: do it with the southern twang <laughs> and,
4: and say, pr- throw,
2: throw in a couple of prob,
4: please. No, Utah accent. When the time is appropriate, Robert. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I don't think that's no, working. It's not, that no. was no. pretty
3: good, actually. I that sounds better than Randy. Uh,
4: <laughs> ouch. Ouch. <laughs> so, when the time is appropriate, Robert, the Lord will call you forth in the first resurrection to stand before Him with your wife to receive your internal inheritance, which will include immortality and eternal lives. You will be privileged to go on through eternity progressing and experiencing great joy and happiness in the presence of your loved ones who will call you blessed and in the presence of the Lord. Again, all of these things depend on your faithfulness and obedience. Live for them. Be cheerful. Be happy. Have a great and abundant life. These things I say to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
2: Nanu, Nanu.
4: Ugh, your patriarch was just a long-winded... Um,
5: Blow hard. i mean he he's he was like uh he's like have you ever been to those ceilings where the patriarch just won't shut up you know because yeah. the, the ceiling's like 10 seconds and then the page or the sealer has to like then give like a sermon and some patriarchs are or not some some sealers are decent uh and and considerate and some patriarchs, or God, i keep saying patriarchs some sealers just go on and on and pontificate and use flowery language and 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 even believers start to glaze over their eyes,
4: yeah yeah, I don't know, but this 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 um, message here like it was so impactful for on me for some reason, the fact that like there's so many things to pick apart, like immortality, eternal life, okay, everybody gets that, but I remember feeling really special about like you know somehow the way that that I'm so privileged to go through eternally go through eternity still progressing and my loved ones are surrounded me surrounding me calling me blessed all the time and it's just i think back and i'm like why did i like this so much it's disturbing but it's just the way it is but that he just basically
5: described what every mormon's destiny is yeah yeah and he just took a really long time to say it uh but i guess because it was Especially for you, and and you were kind of your brain was formed in that kind of context that like, you, you know that, yeah, that, that's
4: yeah. why that that's that yeah, that's why you got to give yourself a pass on that. I think so, but then there are there there like the section where he says you will have an abundant life. That was like, well, not everyone's going to get that right, but then it says, you know, work for it, but believe in the fact that it will come to you. Solve your problems. Be always grateful to the lord for the good that comes to you and i really like ate this up because i th- i really thought that um especially earlier in my 20s like i would make it big i could i could you know start my own company or do something in an entrepreneurial way and i did those things and i did okay but i didn't i mean i didn't retire at 35 i'm still it's not abundant a job yeah not, not abundant <laughs> still working on that uh, right. nest egg there you know and there's so. a
3: million ways you could define abundant too yeah. like m- maybe you wasn't talking about money maybe was yeah. talking about you're gonna have a lot of kids or you're gonna I don't
4: you're know. gonna get really fat the irony being you're that like really i fat. go straight for the material you know wealth <laughs> and then allison is like um or you could have kids yeah <laughs> that's that doesn't seem abundant that sounds exhausting or or abundant in that you have a lot of great callings and serve a lot of people yeah, 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 you guys just keep ruining it one step at <laughs> a time. But th-
2: that, again, that's that Barnum effect, you know, named after Barnum and Bailey, where you sh- you sh- you show this this magnificent thing that's so wide and general, and it could apply to anybody, but you let the person who's receiving it pick and choose the way they're going to interpret it and make it special and unique to them. Do d- d- any of you guys have anything in your blessings that you feel is like really unique?
4: You mean other than what I just... No, just kidding. I know it wasn't that unique. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I, I, I do.
2: I, I, and I don't have mine in front of me because I couldn't find it. But, but I have something that says, get to know your brethren of the other tribes. For in due time, you'll come to know them and to work with their culture. And then you
5: Dude,
3: go to that's Japan. that's the folktale thing. Yeah.
2: But, I, but like, it, is that a common thing? That people are promised that they're going to work with the other tribes of Israel?
4: I've never heard of that. I've never heard. That's a, that's a pretty good one. That's as close to unique as we're going to get I tonight, think so. it sounds like. I think it is. <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> hey,
5: Glenn, do you think that had any effect on your obsession with the Japanese being a lost tribe of Israel? Yeah, and
2: I was so embarrassed by it, too. You know, like when, when because um, I, I wrote that as my master's thesis in my folklore program, but I had to appear like I wasn't a believer, and so it was this closeted hope that I had, you know, that even though I was approaching this as a very skeptical uh, academic, um, that maybe this really is what I'm supposed to be doing, and maybe I'm going to stumble across something. You know, because I remember being in my first area on my mission, we went for a hike one day. And I, I was standing on top of this hill, and I was looking out at the the, the town that I was serving in, and, and all these hills, there are all these little hills. And I thought, in one of these, there might be some golden plates, just like there was in the Hill Cumorah. <laughs> wow. and You know, because the Lost Tribes of Israel, Jesus came and visited them. Uh, they wrote down their record, and, you know, the DNC says that when the Lost Tribes come back, they're going to bring the records that they have, and we'll add it to our scriptures. And Glenn,
3: did you ever tell anybody about that, or did you just kind of keep that thought to yourself? Oh, I kept it. I'm just I curious. kept it to
2: myself. Yeah. Because
3: I, I, I would I, just be curious to how people would receive that. Like if they laugh at it, and then you're, la- but that's what Joseph Smith did. So like, why would it be funny?
2: Yeah. You know? Well, but it,
3: but you didn't tell anybody. about No, it.
2: because you don't. You don't want other people to know that you got your eye on the gold ring. You know that you're like, <laughs> I could be the next prophet, y'all you know i yeah. i i could i could restore i i could restore a church like joseph smith restored you know i could bring scripture and i could translate stuff and i could real i could be really big shit you guys so back <laughs> off you know like it's just it wouldn't go over well and so it was it was one of those things that i kind of kept close to the the vest and then especially years later when i was in a graduate program at a, a university that wasn't a church owned university. And, and, uh, you know, so I had to kind of bury any indication that I even wanted to believe it. You know, it, it, it that was, that was tricky for me. Um, mm-hmm. but so yeah, Randy, it, it definitely, it definitely played a role. And we, we did some comparisons in the, the MTC. There was one sister, sister Harris that, um, her patriarchal blessing told her that, she would learn a language on her mission that would um, help her to read the, the scriptures that the Lost Tribes brought back. Something to that effect. And maybe it was wow. just interpreted that way. I don't know. But, but so we took it and we're just like, yeah, okay, you guys. This is real. This is real. This is happening. This is real. <laughs> <laughs> we're on the front lines. And something big is going to happen. We're going to be right there wow. for it. It was exciting. My
3: husband says something about you. You will be blessed with the ability to communicate through music. That's kind of, that's pretty specific. That's yeah. yeah.
4: pretty cool, actually. Yeah, I would love that. Speaking to it, a he, did, of his. he
3: did love it. Yeah. And but the, here's the funny thing is that I always used to get on him because he would write these like really angry rock songs, uh-huh. like just screaming and and he still does. And and I think they're awesome. But at the time, as a Mormon, I would be like, "Doesn't your?" patriarchal blessings so you communicate through music like maybe if you communicate about the gospel you'll actually become famous like you should write a <laughs> screaming, church screaming about the gospel <laughs> no not screaming but that he should the like, like write he should write church music Christian rock like he should yeah like, he like should after, be the next I don't like know if
2: yeah what did, what you, did never you say, Randy? To
3: me, thank God.
2: Like Afterglow?
5: Oh, Afterglow! Oh, Afterglow, yeah. <laughs> the funniest, unintentionally funny name of a of any <laughs> oh, singing group. Yeah. Of all time. Yeah. And then they sing, and then they sing, "I saw him come, I oh, saw gosh. <laughs> his very face." It's like they have no clue how funny they are.
2: Thanks for that, Randy. Oh.
5: Nice. <laughs> So, I wanted, yeah,
3: he, he I never wanna, listened to me on the church music.
5: Thank goodness. Did well, so. he play an instrument, though? Had, was he musically
2: inclined?
3: Yeah, at yeah, the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> at the time.
3: Oh, no, no. Sorry. That came out <laughs> wrong. He is now, but at, when he was a teenager, he also yeah.
4: was. Still. Do Do any of your blessings have, like, the, the Satan paragraph? Or is it just mine? It, it, this kind of.
3: What's the Satan paragraph? Oh, just kind my, of.
4: It's, maybe if you refresh my memory. It's just like a little like dagger in the side, just like eh, we gotta gun to your head, don't forget uh, mind fuck alert. Don't forget Here you, go. you gotta be good or somebody's gonna this sift really, you like wheat. This Read really it. messed with me because it was pretty specific in in my temptations, I suppose, or at least I internalized it that way. So it says Satan will seek to overcome you. He does this with everyone who comes to earth. When temptations are placed in your path, one of the most secure ways of solving that problem is for you to do as did Joseph in Egypt, who fled when he was tempted by Potiphar's wife. Remember this. Get yourself away from temptation. Ask the Lord to strengthen you against the power of Satan, which is circled now. at some point in my life, I circled the word Satan. Um, <laughs> he can have no power over you except as you might choose to permit him to do so. Do not experiment with sin, which is underscored now. So I don't know how you guys read that, but um, that was the don't jerk off paragraph from my patriarchal oh, blessing. really?
2: That's how you... I would not have taken that that way at all.
4: He mentioned Potiphar's... It,
5: it's, obviously, he's, he's contextualizing it in a sexual way. Yep. You know, he mentioned
4: one example is a woman who wanted to have sex with Joseph. And he had to Egypt. run away and, and he he had not to... experiment with sin. And, you know, Satan doesn't have power over you unless you let him. Don't even mess with it. Stay as far away from it as possible. Like, that's all nice about sex. Girls? Yeah.
2: Well, sex, yes. Masturbation, specifically, I wouldn't. I'm well, just saying that my say. mind wouldn't have gone there. Your mind. Yeah, it wouldn't have.
5: Yeah, that's your mind. Yeah, I know. And it wouldn't have
3: I, I didn't have a Satan or masturbation paragraph
4: <laughs> neither, I
3: probably could have used one apparently
4: neither nor yeah okay did you guys ever <laughs> hear did you guys ever hear the rumors
5: of um, I heard two really pervasive rumors uh, when I was on my mission and maybe it's because I served from ninety three to ninety five and we were only like you know a few short years away from the year two thousand when a lot of people stood you know thought that was going to be the second coming um, but I heard rumors about uh, guys getting uh patriarchal blessings that say they're going to be called home from their mission mm-hmm. to defend the constitution and the other one was you're you are going to live to see the second coming of the lord
2: well there was there are also the the variations of that where they were going to be one of the two prophets, prophets. in the streets of jerusalem during armageddon or whatever i have a story
4: about that yeah yeah, that's. Crazy. I
3: have a, in mine it says that I, I'll be present in the morning of the first resurrection Does that know, yeah, like, but that could be okay, long after okay, you, but yeah. here's here's the funny thing at the time, I had no clue what that meant and <laughs> I thought it meant that I'll be around for the second coming I was like, cool
5: yeah, you,
4: you lost some more Mormon cred points
3: I know, I'm bad, <laughs> you guys just pl- pull the plug
4: right now no, no, no <laughs> this is too good to just yeah, um <laughs> it's all tongue and cheek. You realize?
3: Right. I know. I know that.
5: Oh, <laughs> uh, so you guys heard those two? Uh, you heard the one about being called home from your mission early to defend the
4: Constitution? Did you guys hear that one? Yeah. I um I heard the other one. The two prophets in the streets of you know when when the moon turns to blood and uh, you know half of Jerusalem gets overtaken, but then two prophets die and then get resurrected. Glenn knows what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm.
3: But, like, at, you knew actual people who had that, or you just thought that was No,
2: it. you heard, you heard no. stories about people who knew them. It was the foe. No, folk. so
5: seven degrees of, or six degrees of separation. Friend of. Kind of, of I, was,
4: I was two degrees. I have, like, a crazy story I should have prepared. It's in my mission journal. I'll have to dig it up. But um, I became really good friends with – actually, I wonder if I should be careful with this, just because, like, I still respect my mission president, and he, like, confided in me this way. But it was just such a fascinating story because get over yourself.
2: Because now, now you're going to realize that he lied to you.
4: Well, of course he did. I know that. No, I, well, maybe he didn't. Maybe he was uh, tricked as well. Um, but he, he use this story as a way to teach me a a lesson that not every missionary got. And I was, I felt so special about it and like promised to never repeat it. And here I am setting myself up to have to say something, right?
2: No, all all this is going to do is uh, other missionaries that were in your mission that heard the same story from the president will go, (laughs) dude, (laughs) you too.
4: (laughs) I thought I was special. So the story goes, um, that the prophet at the time, um, ran into a conundrum because uh, too many patriarchs had promised, you know, that more than two people, well, each patriarch only does it for two people, but then if you get more than one patriarch who does this, then there's more than two people who have been promised that they're going to be the two prophets, you know, arisen from uh, the streets of Jerusalem. And this came to the attention, it it got found out uh, as patriarchs Communicated with each other and, and all of this gets like archived in in the great vault of joy or whatever it is in the mountain <laughs> uh, and so somebody was doing their homework and, and and sifting through documents and found out that like way too many people had been promised this, and it 's only supposed to be two and like we need to pull the plug on this with the patriarchs all of a sudden, and how are we going to do it without like discrediting? the whole um to use a business term value proposition of (laughs) what the patriarchs offer (laughs) Um, so uh apparently so my mission president was part of the inner circle of of the you know the team that had to dealt with had to deal with this crisis um and uh and figure out how best to um you know mitigate the damage that had been done while still managing to perpetuate the value of patriarchal blessing so it was all kept pretty hush hush as the story goes and you know maybe i'm not the only one who's heard it as he told it to me in that way But that's how i
2: can't understand for the life of me bob why he would have told you that story as like a faith affirming example (laughs) unless unless he was just trying to boost his own personal cred to say this is how tight i am with the brother and yo
4: yeah. Well, there was certainly some of that, but it was also um, he he used it as an example of how even at the higher levels, you should be aware that um, working with God is, is still you know not a direct channel. There's some nuances, and this doesn't diminish. When I heard this, and we had to work through it, it only strengthened my testimony because the really important things. Um, are still done the right way and there aren't any real big mistakes. Even the big ones teach you that God has a plan. And like he fluffed it up in that way and it, and I bought it at the time, but I have like since reflected on it at different stages in my life as I've also gone through my disaffection as just thinking like, Oh man, that was a clusterfuck. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, one that was easy to, you know, tuck under the rug. Nobody needed to know about it. I felt special at the time. Yeah. Now you guys are like, "Eh." Of course that. Oh, I'm
3: sure that would make me feel special. Somebody told me that. It's just all kind of, I don't know. Like you said before, when you look back on it, it's hard to look back on it with the same eyes. You're it's just silly now.
4: But right? Right. but
2: that's the Absolutely. that's the brilliance of of Mormonism and, you know, especially modern day Mormonism and the patriarchal blessings and all these things is that they they really legitimately help you feel special. Everybody wants that.
4: And it works pretty well. As long as you color within the lines and you don't share it too much, or you don't see blessing 222 before 223, which is yours. Yeah. And you know. Do you
3: think that, sorry, I may be a little slow. Maybe that's why they tell everybody don't share it all the time. Cause then everybody would know how similar they all are.
4: Absolutely.
2: Yeah. I, I think that's definitely one reason that it, that it also gives you the sense that it's really, really sacred. Which I, I never quite understood because, like, Joseph Smith, supposedly, I mean, I guess now that I know the history better, he didn't go around telling people about the first vision. But we published that story about the first vision and proclaim it as one of the first things we talk about as missionaries. And that's supposed to be the most sacred thing ever. But we're not allowed to talk about other sacred experiences. There was yeah. always a little cogdis there for me. I didn't quite get that. Do you think there's any any people that I mean
5: I don't I don't think this really applied to me but I could see uh, certain people with certain personality traits um, looking at their patriarchal blessing and seeing that okay so it says uh, you're gonna be wealthy and then you got this guy that's just makes bad decision after bad decision and is just floundering to support his family. Do you think that you know some will look at that as pressure? that you know because all these blessings are contingent on your righteousness mm-hmm. um, I wonder if there's any kind of psychological damage done but people where their patriarchal blessing doesn't pan out and they worry it's it because they're not righteous enough
2: my, well I can say from mine yeah um, I uh, you know it, it said that, that when I married my wife that as I knelt across her at the altar uh, a a burning confirmation would, would enter me that would further convince me of the truthfulness of this work. And so, uh, you know, I, I got my patriarchal blessing when I was 18 years old and I got married then, you know, I was almost 22. And uh, so it'd been about four years that this had been sitting and building up. And then as I knelt at the altar waiting to feel this overwhelming, powerful feeling, I didn't feel anything. And I felt really guilty about that. And I thought, okay, did we fool around too much before getting to the temple? And maybe we should have told somebody, and we didn't tell somebody. And uh, you know, oh, like, yeah. So I, I, I thought, did I? I must have done something wrong, or you know, heaven forbid, is this the wrong person? Have I picked the wrong person? And you know, we were married for seventeen years, but but you know, was it the wrong person? Was it? It wasn't who God expected or wanted me to because i thought that it was you know it just yeah
5: actually now when i think about it there was one thing that that was a minor uh nag at my conscience is is uh one of the things in my blessing was that you will be blessed with the ability to bear your testimony often both publicly and privately and and then as i you know went down my path as a mormon I hated going up to bear my testimony. I was—it uh, was so rare for me to go up on fast and testimony, meeting to bear my testimony. And then, but I always had that twinge of guilt every fast Sunday because I would think about my patriarchal blessing, saying that it was my duty to do
2: that. Yeah, and and mine told me that I had a special, I totally about that. Mine told me that I had a special talent for genealogy. And to do my uh
4: Oh, my, oh that's uh-huh. a guilt trip. Yeah, that's that, the worst guilt trip in a, Mormonism. Yeah. That's more than a guilt trip that's a shit sandwich thing. <laughs> <It is. laughs>
3: oh, I think mine said that too. Yeah.
2: And and I hated doing that. And and I had a cousin who was awesome at it And you know so like anytime I would go and, and, and do something in the archives I couldn't find anything that hadn't already been Found or taken care of and So I just ignored that part but I thought well, what, what is this latent talent That I haven't discovered yet I don't know someday I'll, I'll do it But
4: yeah <laughs> Wow
3: Well I th- So I threw mine away Yeah. Because I was angry And, and I just didn't want anything, you know, that had to do with the church. And, but I remember thinking when I threw it away, like it was hard. Like, what if, what if it's true? Like, Mm -hmm. what if it's true? And then what does that mean that I'm just throwing this out? And I think that that kind of speaks to the whole, the whole experience in that little, you know, however many three page, three page little blessing, like, if these things are true, how awesome could it be? But do you really want to buy into it? I don't know. It's just yeah.
2: And how and it's conflicted. And and how big of a shit are you for rejecting something so special that came directly from God? Yeah. You know that, that in this moment of weakness or whatever, you throw it out and and you end up forever uh, missing out on these blessings that God had stored for you. And but that yeah, that th- whole mentality is built into the. The way that they're presented to us, and the language that's in there—that all these things are con- oh, yeah. contingent upon your faithfulness—and uh.
3: I think it'd be cool if you could do like a, um, like a, some sort of anti-patriarchal blessing, or like <laughs> um, not anti as in like negative, but like opposite. So, like if you—you
2: you predict everything if, that if, did happen to you in the past, and that's all
3: wrong too. No, <laughs> no. Like if you fo- if you follow what you think you should do as opposed to you know holding to the iron rod or or staying with the church like if you just do what you think you should do if that means leave the church you leave the church then you know you're not going to know that this is that this stuff is going to happen you're not going to know if you're going to be blessed and nobody's going to pretend that you're going to know those things but here's what you will have like here's what you will know but you can't do that because you don't know but
4: But you could know. know, I don't know
3: if I'm making sense.
4: You are actually. I think there's there's enough that you could uh, dance around it, and it'd almost be like a sweet irony because you'd still be saying not that much, but it would be a lot better for the person on the receiving end than the than the other version of the not that much.
3: Um, I think it would be more. I think it would be more. um, It would be special to hear that. Like you could you could have that confidence just in yourself of like listening to what what you know you need to do in your heart and that you're going to be okay.
4: Exactly. I like it. It's sweet. Okay. Hey, so can I... I, mm-hmm. I know we're pretty much done, but I, I just tired. found this... I just found this one little passage in my, <laughs> in my missionary journal, which I think is hilarious because it's. It, I actually wrote it down, this story, and the way I wrote it is just so funny. Um, it's just like a few sentences. So... Um, I was feeling so special because you know, the, my mission president and the mission president's wife took me out to dinner for my 21st birthday. Like That's what they did that night. So this is how I wrote it. I had a dinner appointment at 6.30 with president and sister so-and-so. They were taking me out uh, for my 21st birthday. We talked about so many things. President has had a life full of so many rich experiences. One story was so interesting. Seven people came to him with their patriarchal blessings that said that each of them would be one of the two prophets in the last days. President turned the question over to President Howard W. Hunter, and President Hunter only said three words, those damn patriarchs. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. What an interesting story. It's not one everyone should know. I have been told to keep it to myself. (laughs) You're so special, Bob. You get all these special things. Were you
2: AP? (laughs) That's awesome.
4: No, I wasn't, but I was... um, Why were they taking you
2: out for dinner?
4: I was still pretty special. Um, Even though I wasn't AP, I was the longest running elder in the office during a mission president switchover so the new mission president and his wife took a liking but to me th- i th- think but they like knew your I family mean, or something
3: right clearly spells out how special he is yeah. special. i know
4: can i just uh, reemphasize how special i am i, I don't think i've really made the point
2: <laughs> but but, but it, it must have been something where they knew your family
4: yeah. Yeah. Allison doesn't know that either. Cause I am special in even more special ways. Yeah. It's true.
2: <laughs> and, and I was going to ask you, you mentioned that your patriarchal blessing talked about your wife. I mean, did it, did it say something that you're going to meet her on your mission?
4: You know? No, like, it, did, it didn't. I mean, it didn't go into that. I mean, the one line it says that I even underlined, cause I thought it was so important. um, it says, when the time is ready, be well prepared that you may go to the temple of the Lord with a young woman of your choice.
1: Of <laughs> <laughs> your
4: choice. Wow. That's special. Not an arranged marriage for this guy. Wow. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you're going to be sealed there to her as husband and wife for all eternity. And then it has this section about know that also you're know also that your future wife is to become a queen to your posterity in the celestial kingdom treat her with all the love honor courtesy and service that would be appropriate for a future queen and then i bless you that you will be a great support to you as you endeavor to fulfill your responsibilities as a father as a husband and as a holder of the higher priesthood yeah. you are part of a royal ch- chosen generation robert yeah. This is true. Okay, I could go on forever. I'll stop. It's just, you know, just I,
2: I, it I, as I was looking for my patriarchal blessing this afternoon, I, I went through this folder of you know genealogy stuff from my ancestors. I've got a patriarchal blessing going back to like 1895 Whoa. or something from, from one of my grandparents. Uh, like I've got several Jeez. grandparents, great-grandparents, great-great-grandparents. They're all the same. You know, like it, it, it hasn't changed all that much. Um, and it was just, it bored me like reading through these things bored me. And, and one, I, cause I didn't know most of these people, but like one of my grand grandmothers, I I knew her life very well. And the things that it said to her when she was 16 years old was so not what her life became. Like they talked about her being this sunshine personality. She was cranky,
3: Well she wasn't out the spirit then. Apparently. Right? I
2: don't know. You know, it but it it, it said things that, you know, in, in retrospect you can go back and you go, Oh no, she didn't live to do this. No, she didn't do that. And just Yeah. It's weird. It's weird.
3: That's gotta be hard like I wonder if you could talk to somebody who's like older, you know, a much older generation to look back on their patriarchal blessing and, and be like you know, even if it was a believing member to ask them what do you think about that now? You know, if these things have not come to fruition. What does that mean?
2: Well, I think we've we've kind of covered that that the things that
3: well, but that, we're ex Mormon, like we don't believe anymore, and so we obviously were not faithful. No, but I, you mean, no, know? So no, like, but I mean, the we're believer about will the say,
2: spinning of yeah, it. they'll spin it and they'll say in the pre in the in the millennium this will happen.
3: Oh, yeah, I guess. we'll
2: we'll be able to raise yeah. those kids in the millennium. We, we've got a whole eternity to live and to see these blessings fulfilled. There's
3: yeah, you
2: know, that's true. Th- there's all all kinds of ways to maintain faith. You you brought this up early in the conversation, Randy, about the uh, the banal things that we take to to mean something significant and grand. And I, I'll I'll have to I'll have to dig mine up. I've got to find it somewhere. But there's some some line that's really straightforward. It says something like, "Pay attention to the to the prophets," and. Church leaders, uh, listen to what they say, read their words. Therein, you will hear the voice of the Lord to the children of men. Okay, pretty straightforward. If you listen to them, you'll hear what the Lord's saying to the children of men. Yeah. But, like, I twisted that around to be like, wait a minute. are they? Is that saying that I'm going to be the conduit through which the Lord communicates his message to the children of men? Therein, you will be the voice of the lord to the children of men oh no no to hear the voice of the lord so i'm like hearing the voice of the lord that i give to the children of men like that 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 was just a measure of my own ego uh, and ambition yeah. and like
5: but it's it's still you still exhibited that mormon trait of extrapolating yeah meaning out of something that is so common you know you, you could substitute whether it comes from the voice of my servants or the Lord, it is the same, yeah. and it was just a more flowery way of saying it. And you just like dissected it, and and then uh, how can I extrapolated, make how, how can I make this I make validate this
2: me and and my specialness <laughs> even more? Right. You
5: know? Yeah,
3: like, have you guys read Under the Banner of Heaven? Oh
2: yeah, yeah,
5: so yeah. So not saying that
3: Glenn's crazy, but like if you were <laughs>
2: yeah.
3: a little, if you were crazy, you could easily see how that kind of thing. Yeah. If you if you see it that way, and you. Then you could think that like God is talking to you and telling you things. It's kind of scary. Well,
2: it's it was funny, you know, because one of the first podcasts I did back in Mormon Expression was interviewing Cabo, this guy that I baptized on my mission, and you know, so I I'm sitting down from him across from him in person because I was living in Japan at the time, and. Uh, we hadn't really seen each other much in, you know, 18, almost 20 years. And the way that he remembered me as a missionary and like the tactics that I used that now I'm disaffected. And so I can see these as manipulation tactics. I was so full of conviction and he talked about how creepy it was. He kind of laughed about it. Like he could see what I was doing, you know, like if you pray, you will feel the Holy ghost and he's like, nah, I don't really want to. No, you will feel it. You will. You'll feel it. And then, okay, he did it. And then afterwards, you know, like he opens his eyes and I've got tears streaming down my face. And I'm like, Did you feel it? It was here. Did you feel it? And he's like, No, not really. No, 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 no. You gotta try it again. You gotta do it again. Because I was so convinced that I I would have the power of the Lord if I was just faithful enough that he'd be able to work through me that way and oh man
5: because yeah, you read stories about the brother of jared where you know the lord could not even if the lord wanted to the lord could not conceal himself from the brother of jared so great was his faith yeah. uh, and then you hear jesus saying it just takes the all it takes is a tiny amount of faith of the size of a mustard seed and you can move him out that's such a funny and, story and he, And you're just sitting there, just trying to experiment with all of your sincerity of heart,
2: and the guy goes,
1: "Nah."
4: (laughs) (laughs) I forgot. I forgot
2: that part of the brother Jared story because Jesus is like, "Hang on a second, did you just see
3: something?" Come take
2: my hand. Hang on a second, hey man, you you saw my finger? You you saw that? (laughs) Nobody sees that. Holy shit. <laughs> Foiled again. my dad hears this. Yeah. Wow. Wow. You actually <laughs> saw did that? Did I'm you surprised. you my dad hears this? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, so, you know, Allison, do you want to... I think anything? I'm standing
1: awake. You have to believe we are magic.
0: Hi, this is Dan from Saratoga Springs. You can listen to this podcast...
4: But that probably means you're going to hell. Because if there's anyone with less moral authority than sexual transgressors, it's the goddamn heretics. You can comment on this episode on the website, infantsonthrones.com. And if you really like what you hear, give the quorum a five star rating
1: and write a short review on iTunes. I did. See, I'm being corrupted already, and the devils are laughing at me. <laughs> Anyone for the closing prayer, please ask for moisture.
2: Hey there, thanks for listening all the way to the end. And, uh, you know, I don't do this on most of the Reflections episodes. <laughs> but with this one, listening listening back to all of them is hard for me, I'll tell you that. Like, I, I love Infants on Thrones, I love everything that we did in the last 10 years and the growth has been tremendous, uh, but I listen back to some of these old things and I, <laughs> it's like I recognize myself, but I feel so angry and bitter and especially about patriarchal blessings the the times where I was talking about how stupid it was for me to get uh, a folklore degree. <laughs> it's been wonderful having a folklore degree and it's it's interesting when I look back now. Even the things that, you know, at the time when we recorded this in 2014, I was more angry and I was more bitter and I didn't know (laughs) the things that I know now. So it was a state of growth. Anyway, uh, I just wanted to say that I love my patriarchal blessing. I think it's great. And I love magic. I like magical toys. And I thought it was interesting. Oh, that doesn't sound very good. I thought it was interesting that I used the uh, Olivia Newton-John magic song from Xanadu as part of this episode, and I recently learned how to play that on the guitar just before her passing, so this is a tribute to um, Olivia Newton-John and to magic people
1: everywhere. I don't believe in them. Come take my hand, you should know
2: has been in your mind You know I will be kind I'll be
1: guiding you
2: Building your dreams
1: has to start now There's no other road to take
2: You won't make a mistake stand in our way. Gotta
1: believe magic. Don't let your aim ever stray. And if all your hopes
3: survive,
1: destiny will
0: Really?